Nothing in my job And I see that you torn I see you And I'm Emily. And, and we, we are, are Pearl, Pearl and the Beard. Beard. You're listening to KCOU Columbia 88.1 FM. As a veteran of Iraq or Afghanistan, joining IAVA.org really helps. It's a network of vets like me. Whether navigating the GI Bill or managing the transition home, we've got your back. Join our community at IAVA.org. Brought to you by Iraq, Afghanistan, Veterans of America, and the Ad Council. Flex. Talk to my girls, no southeast or west. Talk about her skin tone, God knows she blessed. Love how you work that God knows you dress. Uh can the flex. Talk to my girls, no southeast or west. Talk about her skin tone, God knows she blessed. Love how you work that yeah. God knows you dress. Finding up the cause of scene, cover a magazine, boss chicks around the world, someone counting up the cream. Idea, the original queen. Yeah. When you fly as this, you ain't gotta worry about wings. Commercial private jets don't compare to jets I read. They don't. Y'all buy those labels. I was born supreme. That's the right. greatest why in Africa they pay goats for queens. Uh-huh. You know black don't crack. I still look at my teens. I do. Hold up my glow up, my bronzer, my shape. My shape. He love me, my booty is big and it shake. It shake. A mango in shape, yeah. He love me with weight. Every brown shade, braids, long hair, a face. You fine, mama. That's my mama. The cover magazine, she's an ebony woman. Ebony First woman. lady of honor, uh-huh. Mama Michelle Obama. Uh-huh. I love to love you, baby. That's a song by Donna. It is. All my foxy ladies, we steal the ill nana. All around the world. Hey, hey, mama, said the way you move, gonna make you sweat, gonna make you groove. 
Welcome in to the preferred walk-ons, KCU 88.1 FM, KCU.FM in the blue box in Columbia, Missouri, as well as the temporary green and gray box on our website, KCU.FM. Here Jones, Chase Phillips here. Ben Krakow, our normal show host, is out for the day, taking a late class, so props to Ben for pursuing his academic career and prioritizing, keeping him straight. Uh, but for now, Chase and I will have you covered. Big show on tap today, Mizzou and South Carolina kicking things off tomorrow at 3 o'clock at Faroe Field. A lot of really important games in college football this week. And then NFL Week 4, lots of news going around this afternoon. Antonio Brown released by the Patriots. We'll get to that. And then also, Mr. Chase Phillips adorned in the Cardinals' Paul Goldschmidt jersey. There's a there's a baseball game happening right now, isn't there? There is a baseball game. Pretty pretty important baseball game as that. Cardinals and Cubs are playing right now on the bottom of the seventh. Cardinals do lead 2-1. to one. It's a very important series. Cardinals are four games up on the Cubs with just a few games left here in the season. I believe there's nine total left. I think they play six more or five more, excuse me, after after today against the Cubs. So those games will be huge. The Milwaukee Brewers still in that race as well. It's going to be a fun end to the NL Central this season. And to say the least, there's heavy implications for this game and many other games that are on the docket this weekend, so we'll get you covered there as well. But we'll also be sure to get to an interview that we recorded earlier today with Cam Adams, I should say, of the Daily Gamecock, the student publication at Columbia, South Carolina, and we'll try to air that if we get to that today. It is important to note that our broadcast might be interrupted at certain points this afternoon due to scheduled station maintenance, so we will keep you posted if anything like that occurs. But, Chase, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Last weekend, Mizzou's second win of the season, 50 to nothing over SEMO. I understand you weren't at the game, but what were your overall general observations? Oh, I wasn't at the game, correct, Gary, but, but I was there was there watching the game on TV. And, and overall, it, it was exactly what Missouri wanted to do. You know, there was a little concern there in the second uh, the second quarter where the Mizzou had a couple three and outs, you know, from what I read in the post-game presser. Barry Odom wasn't very happy about that. Says the execution still needs to be better. But overall, exactly what you want to no big injuries, nothing too, you know, nothing too serious um, on the Missouri front. The defense still looks solid. You know, this week I think is going to be their best test. But overall, it's exactly what you wanted in playing an FCS school like SEMO. Yeah, Missouri ran out to a 27 to nothing first quarter lead over the Red Hawks. Exactly what you want, as Chase mentioned, playing an FCS team. Big thing there. That stood out to me in the first quarter. I can't even remember the last time that Missouri's had a game where they scored a defensive touchdown and a special team touchdown the second game. Actually, now I can remember it. Now that it comes back to me, it was against Vanderbilt in the 2017 season uh, when they were on the road in Nashville. Our own Ben was on the call for that game. Rashad Floyd had a punt return touchdown. That was his first one since that game against Vanderbilt. And then also Kel Garrett, a pick six. That really set the tone for the night at Faroe Field. Yeah, it, it set the tone, but overall, it basically ended the game right off the bat. You know, it, it was one of those, you know, where they were up 14 nothing, I believe, or 7 nothing. I think it was actually 14 before they had the pick six and then the punt return right after. And, I mean, that's just huge momentum swings. You know, when you play actual opponents, those are really big momentum swings. Against SEMO, it's like, that's nice to see, but it's not always something, you know, that's you're very excited about or that's going to happen that's really going to change the game a lot. Elsewhere, Kelly Bryant, 12 for 25, 225 pa- passing yards, a passing touchdown and interception. Not exactly the eye-popping numbers that maybe a lot of fans, maybe Bryant himself was hoping for, but still pretty solid overall. 
Well, in a game like SEMO, you really don't want to open up your offense too much. You want to keep it very condensed because you know more than likely you're probably going to win the game. You don't want to do throw anything that's too crazy out there. You just want to keep it very concise. Um, you know, I thought they ran the ball a lot with Larry Roundtree. I think that's been a big problem so far this year is Larry Roundtree hasn't been able to get on track. In an SEC play, they're going to need him, especially this weekend. If it starts raining, they're really going to have to rely on the feet and the legs of Larry Roundtree. That was something that I walked away as an observation for that game too, was Larry Roundtree is just one of the most underappreciated running backs in the SEC. You might be able to extend that and bring it to nationally just because of what he's been able to do recently. He's grown so much as a back since he came onto the Missouri's campus in 2017. I got to hand it to Barry Odom. There's a lot of questions about his coaching tenure, just a game over 500 over his time here at Mizzou. But boy, can he recruit running backs. You I mean, you look at Demaria Crockett coming in as a freshman in 2016, you look at Tyler Beatty's emergence as a primary, really great backup running back. He's a great, great pass protector back Absolutely. as well. Really good pass catching. Crockett obviously declared for the NFL draft a year earlier, but then Larry Roundtree comes in. He's he's the undisputed starter, and he's without question the upper tier of running backs in the SEC. It's been interesting to see how Missouri and Odom have gone about developing these third and fourth string running backs, the Dawson Downings of the world, the Simi Bakaris. There's a lot more depth behind them on the way, too. Yeah, and just like you said, you, you talk about how great he is recruiting. You look at players like Jalen Knox. Jalen Knox is a three-star coming out of nowhere, and he has been very, very good so far for this Missouri Tiger football team. You think about Jonathan Johnson, was not a high recruit as well. You know, Albert Okawabinam really kind of came out of nowhere, yep. and he's probably going to be a first-round pick this year. So Barry Odom has done a really nice job in recruiting. And what I love from Beatty and Roundtree so much is you look at the touchdown last week and Larry Roundtree scored, who's the first person down there celebrating with him? It's Tyler Beatty. Beatty scores a couple weeks ago. Roundtree is jumping around the sidelines, and it's just... It's not either one of them taking the spotlight away. They're doing what they have to do to win football games. That's the biggest part right now. 50 to nothing was the final of that one. You heard it here in KCU 88.1 FM. You'll be able to hear tomorrow's broadcast against South Carolina. Pre-game coverage starting at 2.30. Daniel Virag and Corbett Koslak on the call for that one. Lots of coverage all day long as part of KCU Sports Saturday. But we talked about the strength of Barry Odom's time at Missouri, and that's been recruiting running backs. Now it's time to get into a little bit of the weakness, and that has been going up head-to-head to to two certain SEC East opponents. One of them, Missouri takes uh, takes them on this week in South Carolina. Gamecocks travel to Columbia for what has been aptly named the Mayor's Cup, the Columbia Cup, whatever you want to call it. Last year, Gamecocks took a 37-35 victory at the last minute. Tucker McCann came up huge for Missouri, gave them a late lead, but in that absolute monsoon, it rained all day in Columbia back on October 6th of last year. It didn't end up well for Missouri. It was a game that they were in control of early. They were seemingly the more talented team on the field that year. They really had put themselves in a position to carve out a spot for them at third in the SEC East. But, Chase, as we all know, that didn't end up happening that Saturday afternoon. No, and with Missouri and South Carolina, the three years I've been here at school, it has been one big play that has simply changed the complete complexion of the game when Missouri plays South Carolina. You think about freshman year, it was a fourth down, the intent that they went for, did not get it. South Carolina marches down, scores, really sets that game apart, and there's a win. You think about in twenty or in 2017, excuse me, second year we're in college, Missouri takes a 10-0 lead on a 60-something-yard pass from, mm-hmm. to Jason Reese for a touchdown. Next, pl- next opening kickoff, next kickoff, excuse me, Debo Samuel goes to the house. Drew Locke throws a pick. Debo Samuel in around it's 14-10 like that. Literally the fastest it could be 14-10 was just like that. Think about last year. Missouri is playing well on offense. They do get a long third down. 
what happens? Drew Locke throws a pick six on a screen. It always seems like they're controlling the game, and they let one big play completely blow up the whole entire game. Yeah, I think that's a key to controlling tomorrow as well if they're looking for a victory in this one, which for South Carolina, you think about desperation. They're already one and two with a loss in the SEC. They got their one win over Charleston Southern. They won that game 72 to 10, set a school record offensively, which again, Cam Adams, the assistant sports editor at the Daily Gamecock, will have more insight on that game and much more later on in our show at 430. But yeah, you mentioned it. South Carolina is a team that they are now that they lost that game to North Carolina in their season opener, they are desperate for wins. Because if this this is a team, if they don't beat Missouri, they're looking at a four and eight, five and seven season. Because you think about having to play Clemson every single year across conferences. That's a non conference game in the Palmetto Bowl that they schedule every single year for the final game of the season. Still got to play Florida. They play them at home. But it's still a tough matchup, especially with Kyle Trask at quarterback, who's looked better for Florida after Felipe Frank's injury. Then you've got Georgia on the road. Just a tough schedule. And you also factor in playing at Texas A&M in the SEC cross-conference divisional game. This is a brutal schedule for the Gamecocks. They're going to be desperate for wins. Well, think about just say say just theoretically they lose this weekend to Missouri. Their next three games, Kentucky at home, at Georgia, Florida at home. I mean, you lose this game, you're looking at starting out one and six. Yeah. And I mean, and it's it's simply it's not even because, you know, that they're playing that good of a schedule. It's simply just because that they just their schedule is just not fair for them right now. You know, you start off, but I mean, they do get Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Appalachian State, but then you mentioned Texas A and M and Clemson. I mean, realistically, Garrett, if they lose this game, they'll start out one and six. They're going to have a four-win season, yeah. maybe, and that's you have to go to Tennessee. Not never easy to go to Tennessee, even if they're bad. You know, I, I just it's they need this win bad. Absolutely, and you know you never want to overlook anything on a schedule. But you know what jumped out to me? I didn't know that they played Appalachian State. That's not going to be an easy win. No, that's it's not. A, once an FCS school, they're now moved into the Sun Belt. And even though Scott Satterfield moved on for Louisville, that's a program that's been built up from the ground up, and they're still going to be no easy push pushover for South Carolina. So, as you mentioned, playing desperately, but on the Missouri side, right? This is a great opportunity to plant your flag in the SEC East and establish yourself as the team. We talked about it last week a lot. It's Georgia. It's Florida right now significantly behind them and then it's everybody else but Missouri has the chance as many pundits thought coming into the regular season to separate themselves as the cream of that group if you're going to do that you have to do that this year and more importantly Barry Odom has improved every single season and in his time at, at Missouri the team actually regressed in his first season in 2016 fell to four and eight but the next year seven to six bowl loss next year eight and five bowl loss. The team is improving under him, but I think he just needs to get over the proverbial hurdle that is both South Carolina and Kentucky this season. And to me, Garrett, when you think about Barry Odom, it's the inability to win the big one. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm not saying South Carolina is big, but the vibe I'm kind of getting around camp, it is a big game. This is a very big game. This really makes or break the season. You know, you think about Wyoming, that loss. A lot of fans have kind of put that in the back of their mind. That was just one bad game that Missouri played. But this South Carolina team, one, they're very good. They played with Alabama for a half. They Two, did. it's a game at home. It's going to be a great crowd. Even though it's supposed to rain tomorrow, I think it's going to be a very, very good crowd. And you look at it, their schedule, it's going to start getting a little tougher. They're going to need wins like this. So I think it's a very huge game for the Tigers. Interesting point there noted by Chase. Missouri has been participating in wet ball drills in practice all week long, according to our reporter Elizabeth Aber, who was at Missouri Media Day on Tuesday. So that's important to note. 
even if it's wet, the running backs, the quarterbacks, the skill players aren't going to be surprised. So that's interesting to note moving forward. But also when you take a look at South Carolina, Chase mentioned it. Last week, they played host to Alabama. Last time, the Crimson Tide traveled to Columbia back in 2010. They lost that game, but there's no such luck this in this year, in 2019. Uh, the number two ranked Crimson Tide pulled away in the second half and won that game 47-23. to But there was a key call at the end of the second quarter, I should say, heading into the second half. Uh, running back Rico Dowdle appeared to get into the end zone and when, would have scored what would have brought the game to just a one-possession score, but... Instead, South Carolina had to opt for a field goal, got the ball back, and punted on its first drive in the third. So what could have been a seven-point deficit ended up being an 11-point deficit, giving the ball back to Alabama. So that changed that game dramatically. Ryan Holinsky is a true freshman starter for the Gamecocks. In case you don't know his story, an amazing one at that. Awesome story. His brother, Tyler Holinsky, in case you might not know, took his own life back in January 2017. A quarterback for the Washington State Cougars uh, played under Mike Leach there and started a bowl game against the Michigan State Spartans um, right at the beginning of 2018. And right after that, a couple days later, ended up taking his own life. Uh, he was clinically depressed, um, as they found out in the autopsy later, and his family has started the Holinsky's Hope Foundation uh, in really cool moments all across the country, especially in South Carolina. They hold up the number three um, with their hands to start the third quarter, which was Tyler's uniform number. Ryan wears number three. Uh, it's a great story there. I really hope that the Mizzou fans join together on Saturday and hold up the three to start the third quarter. I'm sure they will, Yeah. Um, but I, I would love to see that. But anyway, Holinsky wasn't the planned starter. Jake Bentley started all three years of his collegiate career um, at South Carolina, and he suffered an ankle injury, ankle foot injury um, earlier this season. So he lost his starting job due to the injury, unfortunately. But Holinsky stepped up and played really well. Yeah, and as you mentioned with Ryan Holinsky, I thought it was really cool last week, Garrett, whenever Holinsky was coming out of the South Carolina tunnel, he had his three fingers up pointing towards the sky. So I thought that was a really cool moment for his whole entire family to see that. But as you mentioned, Ryan Holinsky, the quarterback, is very, very good. You know, he has that what people would call gunslinger mentality. He's going to throw it around a lot. He's only played in two games or two and a half games. He's thrown it 87 times. So he likes to throw it around a lot. Um, you know, he has four touchdowns and two picks so far. But overall, he's a very good quarterback. You know, he's highly, highly touted coming out of high school. I really think they wanted to redshirt him and him be kind of the heir to be what Jake Bentley has been the last few years for South Carolina. But overall, I think he's a very good quarterback. Um, you know, rainy conditions possibly. I think a lot is going to rely on Rico Dow. And Rico Dow is a very, very good back. And not to mention... Just a casual tr Clemson transfer slipping into the South Carolina backfield and Tavian Feaster. That kind of caught me by surprise last week. And I, yeah. I looked at the South Carolina box score. It said Tavian Feaster. I was like, wait, he was at Clemson, wasn't he? And he sure I was. was. Like, wow, yeah. And that's another interesting storyline in this game because obviously Missouri, we know, starting quarterback Kelly Bryant famously transferred in December after playing his career, at least starting it with Clemson. Uh, helped guide that team to the college football playoff in his first season as a starter, eventually decided to transfer to Missouri for those who have been sleeping under a rock. But he's from South Carolina. He grew up not liking the Gamecocks. He played at Clemson. And I don't think I'm in words when I say he's going to be out for blood this weekend. Oh, yeah. Because you see trash talk circulating around that, oh, well, Missouri's quarterback couldn't make it in the ACC. Brian has dominated South Carolina. Sure, maybe – a more talented team surrounding him during those games at Clemson. But Brian has absolutely dominated South Carolina in his career. And you better believe that this could be presumably the one chance that he has to face off against the Gamecocks in his time as a Missouri Tiger. You better believe that he's going to take that personally and be ready 
come kickoff tomorrow. Yeah, and I I think that you said it perfectly, Garrett. I think Kelly Bryant is going to be amped up, and I think he's going to be ready to play. I think his whole Tiger team is going to be ready to play. The defense has looked much improved, I think, with Nick Bolton and Kale Garrett at linebacker. That was a really good one-two punch, kind of like last year with Therese Hall and Kale Garrett. But overall, like you said, I think this offense is ready to rock and roll. I think they're just starting to catch their stride. I think Kelly Bryant's starting to realize, man, this Albert Okawabinum guy, he's pretty good. He's not just on paper. He's pretty solid. He's starting to throw in the ball a lot more, and I think those two have had a solid connection now. Touchdown catch last week for the Missouri tight end. We kind of hit the we kind of had the rubber hit the road. We'll wrap up our college football talk here and come back with our week four predictions and storylines. But Chase, before we sign off the air, sign off for the segment, I should say. Sign off there. I was say, Garrett, it's only four twenty. Got another forty <laughs> little, minutes, man. A little minutes, early. A little minutes. early. Think about high school football. Um, do you have a score prediction for this game? Do you think Barry Odom finally rips off the band aid? I think they do, and I I think it's more of a low scoring. I think I'm going to go with twenty four. 24-14 is going to be my prediction for Missouri-South Carolina. I think it's going to be a very grinded-out, punch-in-the-mouth game. I think it'll go tied into the fourth quarter, and I think Missouri will take take it back away in the fourth. I think I completely agree with you. I think that this is going to be a really tight game. I think it's going to remind fans who watched last year of Missouri a lot of the Vanderbilt game last year. Only ended up winning by five. Team that's a little more talented on paper. Uh going head-to-head and coming out with a really hard-fought victory. But I do think Missouri wins it. I'll give them a touchdown, 35-28, and like you, I think it's going to be close. So still much more to come here on the Preferred Walk until we write back with our week four picks and predictions around the college football landscape. We'll take a look at this ongoing St. Louis Cardinals and Chicago Cubs game and the way that impacts the postseason race. And finally, we will air our interview with Cam Adams, the assistant sports editor at the Daily Gamecock on the other side about 4.30. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to KCOU 88.1 FM. Preferred walk-ons, Mizzou's most insightful sports talk from your favorite bench warmers is now available to listen anytime, anywhere. After every Friday's show with Ben Krakow, Chase Phillips, and Garrett Jones, we post a podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Anchor Podcast app, and anywhere else you get podcasts. We're also on Twitter at KCOU Walk-ons. End your week with preferred walk-ons, a part of KCOU Sports, and now streaming. Hi, I'm Chris Mitchell. You know, that one guy from The One Show. Don't you hate it when you're listening to the radio and not once do you hear anyone talk about video games for extended periods of time? Introducing Quarter Circle Backboard, a solo show dedicated to the sports that you like and the video games that I like. Catch me, myself, and I every Friday from 11 to midnight to hear me chop it up about things like Street Fighter tournaments, the NFL Draft, Red Dead Redemption, and hoops!
What could possibly go wrong? Saturday in Columbia is KCOU Sports Saturday. Tune in right here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia for all-day sports talk starting at 9 a.m. Cap off your Sports Saturday with coverage of Mizzou football from the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. Don't just Saturday, KCOU Sports Saturday. Preferred Walk-Ons, Mizzou's most insightful sports talk from your favorite bench warmers, is now available to listen anytime, anywhere. After every Friday's show with Ben Krakow, Chase Phillips, and Garrett Jones, we post a podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Anchor Podcast app, and anywhere else you get podcasts. We're also on Twitter, at KCOU Walk-Ons. End your week with Preferred Walk-Ons, a part of KCOU Sports, and now streaming. Hey, 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 my party peeps. This is DJ Morse telling you about a sick new show this semester. Tune in every Monday from 6 to 8 p.m. for The Muppet Show, featuring no real Muppets or even knockoff Muppets. The only thing getting knocked off will be your socks by me, your Muppet wannabe host. Green smoke. Every Saturday, Cut the Nets will be live from noon to 1 on KCOU 88.1 FM. Auto quarters a possibility. Jabari Parker's even a possibility. Oh, you don't want Jabari Parker. Tune in to KCOU Sports Saturday to listen to David Kuntz, Zach Berman, and Chuck Ryan talk sports. Fun fact of the day, number two. Robert Kraft actually owns like 99% of the city of Foxborough. Catch Cut the Nets on KCOU 88.1 FM. Do people care about Evan? I mean, why would the Magic want Evan Turner? A delicious power breakfast. Great way to start the day. I'm Brandon Anthony. And I'm Keegan Harbin. Make sure to tune in every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. to listen to me. And me. On our new show, Breakfast of Champions. Here on KCOU Sports, KCOU 88.1 FM. From noon till 1 every sports Saturday, tune in to Cut the Nets on KCOU 88.1 FM with host Chuck Ryan. I think he's really changing how the game is played from the safety position. He basically played linebacker too. And Zach Berman. Teams and the Warriors are just sort of sitting there like... Hello. As they talk sports, along with producer David Kuntz. Jets hired Adam Gase. Like, they're not going to get better. For NBA. This is leading up to the Knicks going on a free agent binge this summer. Yeah, and then they're going to end up signing, like, Tobias Harris. NFL. The most bland, like, milk toast football that there is. Hey, they win. And Mizzou commentary. If Mizzou doesn't win, uh, it's tank mode. That doesn't work in the NCAA. What do you tank for? Check out Cut the Nets. Part of KCOU Sports Saturday, every Saturday, from noon to one. Always shoot your shot. Welcome back. KCU 88.1 FM, the preferred walk-on. Scare Jones and Chase Phillips here with you. Lots to come still on our show today. We're going to go ahead and jump right into a pre-recorded interview. Uh, we talked with Cam Adams, the assistant sports editor at the Daily Gamecock, previewing tomorrow's matchup between Missouri and South Carolina. We'll go ahead and let that take it away. 
and be back Alrighty, with you so shortly. On the line, we have Cam Adams, the assistant sports editor at the Daily Gamecock, the student publication at the school in Columbia, South Carolina. Cam, so much, uh, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us this afternoon. Um, let's just first off start with getting your general thoughts on how you think this game will go for South Carolina on Saturday at Missouri. Um, I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair with uh, Mizzou having, a, I guess you could say, a Big 12-type offense uh, with Kelly Bryant under center. Uh, so far on the year, he has 798 passing. And also, uh, Missouri sports a uh, good rushing game as well as they rush for 267 yards against Virginia. But uh, with uh, Ryan Holinsky under center now for uh, South Carolina, I believe that uh, – the Gamecock offense is, I guess you could say, rejuvenated, uh, as we could have seen uh, against Charles Southern. Um, the offense put up a school record, uh, 775 yards. Um, while that is against the FCS school in Charleston Southern, that's I would say that's pretty good for any team you play. And, yeah, uh, it's going to be a high-scoring affair, going to be a good game as the Maris Cup always is but I uh, see uh, South Carolina coming up on top 42-34 Yeah and Cam this is Chase also with the preferred walk-ons once again thanks for joining us and you know last year it kind of turned into a monsoon there in the second half between Missouri and South Carolina and it kind of looks like this year it might do the same thing it's projected to rain all day tomorrow how do you see that playing into Mm -hmm. the game tomorrow you know I I know Rico Dell is a very good running back but from what I've seen from South Carolina they're wanting to air it out more with Ryan Holinsky at quarterback um, yeah, uh, I think it'll, I guess you could say, bring back some good vibes from last year's game. I know, uh, as a student in the student section last year, the student section was pumped and it was just a good atmosphere in Williams Price. But, uh, yeah, it could, uh, have a contributing factor in the ball game. But I still believe, uh, maybe, uh, our offensive, the offensive coordinator, uh, may not go deep as much on passing, maybe some more of a short route like slants and stuff. But I don't think it'll make a huge difference on the passing game. You know, you talked a little bit about Ryan Holinsky, and he's been a revelation so far under center, true freshman for South Carolina. For those who might not know the story in our audience, such a fantastic story, the relationship with his brother Tyler, who passed away a couple years ago, and the way that the family is really come together around him has been really inspiring but when you look at it from an x's and o's perspective he's been great under center so far and this was something that nobody really saw some coming because jake bentley was the undisputed starter coming into the season after he goes down to a season ending injury what have you seen from Helensky so far are you encouraged do you think he's the star of the future um i, I am pretty encouraged by uh Holinsky's play um you know he Stepped up to a spot that uh, uh, many didn't expect them to be in, and uh, the second, just the second game of the season, um, and he threw for over 300 yards against a fantastic Alabama defense. So I believe everyone on campus is really excited for Holinsky and what he uh, can bring uh, to South Carolina for years to come. Yeah, and Cam, you know. Looking at the South Carolina defense, I you know I've looked at you know last week you know Tua Tungavaloa playing quarterback. It really is not a fair advantage for anybody in the country to have to stop that. But overall, they're allowing 311 yards passing a game. Do you think that's probably the weakest part of the South Carolina defense, or what do you think is the weakest part? If that's not it, 
Um, I, I guess I would say that uh, the secondary is the weakest part of the off, uh, defense. Uh, but I believe we have a solid defensive line as well to like counter that. Uh, we have uh, South Carolina has Javon Kinlaw with three sacks on the season, which leads the team. Um, we also have a five-star defensive tackle that came in this year. Uh, and uh, Zach Pickens, uh, he hasn't done much this season, but um, <clears throat> fans are pretty excited to have him on board and just see what he can do this season. Cam Adams, the assistant sports editor at the Daily Gamecock, is our guest here on the Preferred Walk-Ons. You know, Cam, we talked a little bit about last week in that 47-23 loss at the hands of the number two team in the country. But for most of that game, it was really close, especially when you come up to halftime. South Carolina opportunity to score a touchdown and bring it back within uh, just a one-possession game. We all know how it took off in the second half. Alabama's the tendency to take off like a rocket ship in the second frame. But what did you see that you liked from the Gamecocks in that game? Because overall, a 24-point loss against one of the best teams in the country, a perennial powerhouse, is nothing to hang your head about. I mean, yeah, I was very proud of the Gamecocks and how they uh, managed that game with uh, the rushing game as well. Uh, Rico Daddle came out with uh, over 100 yards on the ground against uh, Alabama. And uh, once once again, Holinsky with over 300 passing yards. Uh, it's just so far the season that watching South Carolina, it seems that – we, uh, excuse me, South Carolina is very much a first-half team. Uh, uh, as we saw against Bama with, uh, I believe, uh, we were only at South Carolina was only down two scores, and South Carolina was leading North Carolina at halftime in the first game of the season. It's just uh, the Gamecocks have to figure out how to close out the second half. Yeah, and Cam, last question here before we let you go. You, if you remember the game a couple of years ago, there was a huge play in that game, Debo Samuel taking that kick back to the house, and that's really still been a plaguing issue for this Missouri team is special teams. But it does seem like South Carolina has consistently had good special teams play, and they also have electric returners. And Do you think that could also be a factor in the game? You know, wet conditions, it could make it hard to tackle or even hard to field for both teams. Um, I believe so. Uh in a high-scoring game that uh, I'm expecting, uh, a special teams play like that would be very helpful for either team. Uh, as I expect, both, both uh, offenses go back and forth. Uh, but yeah, I, I could definitely see uh, uh, Shy Smith or Brian Edwards taking one back, a uh, punt or a kick return back for a touchdown, and uh, in the I could definitely see it in the uh, being the deciding play in the game. Well, he has been Cam Adams, the assistant sports editor at the Daily Gamecock. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Will you or any of your contingents be making the trip to Columbia this weekend? Uh, unfortunately, not. it's quite a drive. It is. Like it it sure is. Hours. Yeah, we sent a crew there last year, so we know a little bit about that. But anyway, thank you for taking uh, your time and joining us over the phone this afternoon. Enjoy your weekend, and we hope to talk to you again soon down the road. That was Cam Adams, once again, the sports assistant sports editor, I should say, at the Daily Gamecock in Columbia, South Carolina. 
He will have much of their coverage this weekend, so keep an eye on him on our Twitter at KCU Walk-Ons. We mentioned him in our most recent tweet. As for us, we will be right back on the other side of a short break with our Week 4 picks and analysis of the college football weekend. This is a preferred Walk-Ons on KCU. Don't go anywhere. Looking for something that smashes sports content and video game content together into one big late-night radio sandwich? Listen to Quarter Circle Backboard, a show in which your boy Chris Mitchell brings you the latest and hottest in sports news that you like and video game news that I like every Friday night at 11 p.m. on KCOU. I talk about everything from football to basketball to Street Fighter to Fallout to you name it. Is it worth staying up past your bedtime? Tune in and find out. Until one every sports Saturday, tune in to Cut the Nets on KCOU 88.1 FM with host Chuck Ryan. I think he's really changing how the game is played from the safety position. He basically played linebacker too. And Zach Berman. Teams and the Warriors are just sort of sitting there like, hello. As they talk sports along with producer David Kuntz. Jets hired Adam Gase. Like they're not going to get better. For NBA. This is leading up to the Knicks going on a free agent binge this summer. Yeah, and then they're going to end up signing like Tobias Harris. NFL. The most bland, like milk toast football that there is. Hey, they win. And Mizzou commentary. If Mizzou doesn't win, uh, it's tank mode. That doesn't work in the What NCAA. do you tank for? Check out Cut the Nets, part of KCOU Sports Saturday, every Saturday from noon to one. Always shoot your shot. Whatever I want, live from Studio A, broadcasting on KCOU 88.1 every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Brick Squad. KCOU would like to thank Cafe Berlin for their support. Check out Cafe Berlin's delicious and diverse brunch menu at CafeBerlinComo.com. Looking for a fun night out in Columbia? Check out Cafe Berlin's live music calendar on their website as well. Thank you, Cafe Berlin, for your continued support of KCOU Columbia 88.1 FM. KCOU would like to remind you that Missouri Tiger football and basketball are brought to you by El Rancho. Catch every Mizzou football game and Mizzou men's basketball game on KCOU 88.1 FM and on KCOU.FM. While you are online, check out El Rancho's website at www.columbiamomexicanfood.com or visit them downtown at 1014 East Broadway. Thank you, El Rancho, for supporting KCOU Sports. This is the Preferred Walk-Ons, KCOU, KCU 88.1 FM. Streaming online in the gray and green box should be a temporary fix for our website. We appreciate your patience. Tomorrow, Missouri Tiger football begins SEC play on KCOU this Saturday as they host the South Carolina Gamecocks. Big thank you again to Cam Adams for joining us a little bit earlier. Previewing the South Carolina attack. Tiger pregame live presented by El Rancho begins at 2 p.m. and kickoff is set for 3 p.m. right here on KCU 88.1 FM, KCU.FM, and streaming in the TuneIn app. KCOU, the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. It's all part of Sports Saturday here on KCOU. We've got coverage all day long, wall-to-wall of college football and MLB content. Chase, with an 
emphatic fist pump as the Cardinals turn two. They're leading the Chicago Cubs two to one in a pivotal game two of this series that very well could set the fate of the NL Central. We'll have much more on the Major League postseason races on the other side of a break. But for now, let's get into the meat of it. Chase, week four, this is the first kind of really consensus big week of college football. Usually you get through all the FCS games. Usually you get through the mid-major pay games. Finally get to the meat of the good non-conference games or, if you're Missouri's case, like many other teams, starting conference play. Yeah, and Thank goodness is all I have to say about. Yeah, and you know, looking at looking at that, looking at that, Garrett. You know, it, it's really it's interesting because last week in college football was really really terrible, and if you look at it, it was awful. There was not that many good games whatsoever, and you know, it's just really nice now to have these really really good games coming up. You know, Notre Dame and Georgia is a fun one. That's going to be a really good game to watch. Oklahoma State, Texas. Pac-12, Colorado, and the true freshman stud, Arizona State, Jaden Daniels as well. I mean, you just look down the list. There's good college football games on all week. I'm going to be really excited to sit around and watch college football Saturday. Let's go game by game, right, shall let's we? Let's, let's let's pick sh- every single top 25 game, and we'll stop down for a little bit of insight and analysis if it's warranted. We've got some games tonight, top 25 kicking we off. Do. Pac-12 after dark. Utah, number 10 team in the country, traveling to the Coliseum to play USC. They were ranked last week, but they're fresh off a loss. I saw a funny meme on the internet the other day that said, like, look me in the eyes and tell me that Utah is a top 10 team. <laughs> I enjoyed a good laugh at it. But nonetheless, here they are, 3-0, wins over BYU, win over Northern Illinois, and then an FCS win over Idaho State last week. But that's a star-studded backfield for the Utes. Uh, Tyler Hundley, a quarterback. Zach Moss, one of the most prolific rushers in NCAA history, primed for a big season this year. Do you think it's enough against USC? I I do think that Utah will take this game. You know, I think it's going to be a very interesting matchup between those two. You know, I, I, I truly think that, you know, Utah and Zach Moss will probably win this game by a couple touchdowns. I like USC. You know, I really like their fresh or their new quarterbacks after JT Daniels goes down. Keaton Solvis, I, I think he's very, very good. But overall, Utah is a very solid team. You know, I gave them kind of a hard time for not, you know, getting the national recognition. You know, Lee Corso putting them in his college football playoff. But that defense is legit. They are very, very good. Not just in his college football playoff. He had them winning. Oh, gosh. And getting okay. to the national okay, championship. Lee, I didn't know it was that short. bad. Lee Corso, still endearing here in 2019. Air Force and number 20 Boise State at Albertson Stadium in Boise, Idaho tonight. Another interesting Friday night game. Boise State loves to play these Friday night games at home. It's never an easy environment. But Air Force coming off an upset of Pac-12 school Colorado last week in Boulder. That's a big win for them, and potentially it changes the state of the program. They're sitting at 2-0 and two and with a chance to beat a Mountain West school on the road. Yeah, and I think that Air Force will probably take this one, honestly. I like I like Air Force. They they always give Boise State some problems. So I really think that uh, Air Force will probably win this game. I think it's going to be a very tight matchup. It's kind of an upset, honestly, for Air Force to win. But overall, I think it'll be a good game. Southern Miss at Alabama. So much, really, drama with this game because of the 11 o'clock kickoff for the Crimson Tide. Their athletics department, their management – Made it clear that they were not pleased with this kickoff time, but either way, not much to look into this one. This is an easy one for for Alabama. 
Really? Because I was going to take Southern Mississippi. I'm just kidding. No, I'll take Alabama. I think Alabama will win this game pretty easily. I mean, hey, it's it's Alabama at home against a team that's not very good. So, yeah, that kind of just tells the story right there. LSU and Vanderbilt. This one is certainly interesting. Vanderbilt just plays big game after big game. They got Georgia at home to open their season. They went to Notre Dame last year. They had Alabama come a couple years ago. Vanderbilt gets big games in Nashville, especially recently. This is another big one. Number four, LSU, Joe Burrow, and the Heisman hopeful come into town. We know that opposing fan bases have taken over LSU, including Missouri, a couple years ago in 2017. I don't really think the fan base got credit for how well they traveled to that game in Nashville when Missouri romped the last time they went to Vanderbilt. Chase and Ben will be going to Vanderbilt to call that game a little over a month. What do you see in this one? I really like the new-look LSU offense. I love that they're letting Joe Burrow and his athletes just chuck the ball over the field. And I think it's an offense that really fits them. But the way I look at it is they finally have a quarterback that can do it. I think Joe Burrow is finally that guy that can get it done. Um, you know, I think LSU will win this game, probably, probably two or three scores. I think Vanderbilt has a lot of talent. I just don't think they're a very good overall team, if that makes sense. They've got a lot of good pieces. Just overall, they're not very good. Third Saturday in September, Tennessee and Florida play on this weekend every single year. Obviously, Tennessee, it's been well-documented how much of a dumpster fire they've been to start their season. They fall at home to Georgia State to open the year. Then BYU also at Neyland Stadium the week after that. They get a win last week versus Chattanooga. And then Florida, on the other hand, maybe had a much more impactful week. A comeback win over Kentucky on the road to get that streak going again. A new-look offense after Felipe Frank's season-ending injury. Kyle Trask is the signal caller for the Gators. What do you see his impact being in this game? I know you saw Kyle Trask play quite a bit last year when you and Ben were in Gainesville in that game against Missouri. Yeah, and when Kyle Trask came in that ball game last year, he honestly played better than the Fleet Play Franks did. And me and Ben were kind of sitting there wondering, we're like, man, why have they not started Trask all year? Kyle Trask is a much more pocket passer steady game controller than Felipe Franks is. He's not going to have that, you know, electric 30-yard runner, big pass play down the field, but he's going to consistently move your offense. He's one of those quarterbacks that I think he's more of a college guy. He just, he's very, very contempt on making short throws, making quick reads. But Garen, this one, I'm going to go with an upset. I'm going to take Tennessee to beat Florida. I, I think they're going to turn it around. I like Jared Garitano. I love Ty Chandler. I think he's a very good running back. Love Marquez Callaway. You know, I, I think overall that Tennessee is getting ready to turn the corner. I think they're going to start being a good football team again. I think Tennessee's going to upset Florida. Interesting. So, Chase, coming out of left field with that pick, a ranked-on-ranked matchup in the Big Ten, Michigan and Wisconsin, the number 11 Wolverines, traveling to Madison to take on the number 13-ranked Badgers. I haven't seen anything from Michigan this year that's impressed me. I think, really, they've been a really below par as a unit. Agree, disagree, who do you have in this game? Yeah, I completely agree with everything you said. I think Wisconsin will take this one probably pretty easily. I like Jonathan Taylor. Probably going to be a Heisman favorite towards the end of the season. But yeah, I think Wisconsin takes this one pretty easily. Interesting game here. This is a completing a home-and-home that Ole Miss traveled out to Berkeley to play California back in 2016. They lost that game. California looking for the sweep in this series. Number three, 23, I should say, Golden Bears going on the road, entering the rankings last week. They take on an Ole Miss team that's really young, trying to get its footing in the SEC. Golden Bears are eyeing game day next week. There's lots of rumors flying around that college game day could come to Berkeley for the first time next week in their contest against another ranked team in Arizona State. They got to take care of Ole Miss first. Can they do it? 
You know, I, I've not done my due diligence in looking up a lot of California Golden Bear footage or just seeing them play a lot. Um, so I truthfully think that Ole Miss will actually win this game at home. Ole Miss is very, very tough to beat. Matt Corral has been very, very good for them this year. Um, they also have a very sharp receiver in Elijah Moore. Uh, I like Ole Miss to win this game in a very, very tight contest. Another game, not that much to look into. Miami of Ohio coming off a loss to Cincinnati last week, who Ohio State, took down 42 to nothing a couple weeks prior. They travel to the horseshoe and take on the Buckeyes in Columbus. Not much in that game, so we'll just go ahead and move right on. Auburn at Texas A&M. This is an extremely interesting matchup. The Aggies have had the Tigers' numbers since they've come in the SEC. So much has been made about Bo Nix at quarterback for Auburn, and I know Chase and I wanted to take time today. It doesn't look like we're going to have time to, to kind of identify some of the most overrated football players in the sport right now. I don't see the Bo Nix hype coming to fruition yet four passing touchdowns two interceptions he obviously made a big play in their season opening win over Oregon but what I saw there was a horrendously over underthrown ball to Seth Williams the wide receiver who made a fantastic play and then when you look at the numbers for Knicks nothing really pops out of you against two low-line competition in Tulane and Kent State only four passing touchdowns two interceptions but the big thing a completion percentage hovering just over 50 I'm not that impressed and I think that He's going to get his first real test against a staunch Texas A&M defense this weekend. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more there, Garrett. I think Bo Nix is one of those players that has just been very overrated because he made one, I like you kind of said, not even really good play, just one play, really. And, you know, I think... I think A&M will take this one pretty easily, honestly. I, I think Auburn is very overrated right now. I think they have a very good defense, and Jatarvis Whitlow is very, very good. But I think overall, I, I just do not like Bo Nix um, at quarterback. I think he's just very, very overrated personally. We're going to get through some of these games so we can touch real quickly on the MLB postseason race and give our friends at the Pulse a five-minute courtesy so they can get into the studio to do their show. You can hear that at 5 o'clock here on KCOU and streaming online as well. UCF Pittsburgh, this one's interesting because the, the pundits clamor for UCF to finally play Power 5 teams. Well, they're going on the road to a Power 5 opponent in the Pittsburgh Panthers who played in the ACC championship game last season. They lost to Stanford last weekend. This is a big game for the state of their program. You know, so much has been made about Mackenzie Milton going out due to injury. Brandon Wimbush falls. Dylan Gabriel steps up. He's played really well as a starter. What do you see in this game, Chase? Well, I think the most interesting fact is, you know, I think a lot of people were really impressed by Darrell Mack after last year, and he's just kind of gone off the face of the earth. But Dylan Gabriel, as you mentioned, Garrett, has been really, really good. He's a lefty little gunslinger. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Kenny Stabler, just the way he likes to throw it around a lot. But I like Dylan Gabriel. I think UCF's a very, very good team. I think they'll win this game easily. Washington and BYU. What a schedule for BYU out of the jump. They play a top 10 team in Utah at home to start their season. They go to Tennessee and win in week two. They take down ranked USC at home, and now they host ranked Washington, number 22 Huskies traveling to Provo. Can BYU get it done and start the craziest section to its season three and one? I think so. I, I think Washington is good, and I like Jacob Eason, but I think BYU overall is a better football team. Uh, I'm, I am going to take BYU to win this game. Um, you know, I, I think Washington, you know, could easily blow them out, but I think BYU at home, I think that's they're very, very tough to beat at home. SMU at TCU. We'll quickly stick, skip over that one, but the number 25 Horn Frogs hosting their cohorts from across the Metroplex and the Mustangs upstart at three and zero. not a lot of people saw that coming but they've been great overall Shane Bouchelle Charlotte at Clemson 
the number one Tigers should have no problem taking care of the 49ers and that one ODU Virginia even though the Monarchs upset Virginia Tech we don't really see that upcoming uh, last year they took down um, Virginia Tech in Norfolk but uh, we don't really see that coming in Charlottesville this year big one looming Oklahoma State at number 12, Texas. This game screams upset for me. And it's not because of the talent on the field. Spencer Sanders, a true freshman quarterback, Tylen Wallace, Chuba Hubbard is in the Heisman conversation. There's talent at Oklahoma State. There's certainly talent at Texas. They're refined all the way around. However, eight of the last 10 times that these two teams have played, including last year when the Longhorns were number six and Oklahoma State was unranked, the Cowboys have won. Five straight games in Austin, the Cowboys have won. Chase, I don't know if you agree. I don't think that's coincidence. I think that's a concerning trend for UT, and I think it's going to keep going into tomorrow. Yeah, and that's a great point, Garrett. I think this Oklahoma State team is very good. I think they're very underrated. You know, Chuba Hubbard is very, very good. He's To me, he's probably one of the best running backs in the nation. Spencer Sanders is good. Tylen Wallace is a very good receiver. I think they will beat Texas. This is one game, Garrett, I just have a really, really hard time watching just – Simply because being an Oklahoma fan, having to root for either Oklahoma State or Texas just kind of hurts my heart to do. So, But I, I like you said, overall, I think as a football fan, it will be a very good game. I'm really interested to see if Sam Ellinger can rebound. You know, they played Rice last week, which, you know, why does Texas play Rice? Um, but overall, you know, I, I think that this will be a rebound game from LSU. You know, I think Texas you know, really struggled in that game. Their secondary got beat up. You know, I'm interested to see if they're going to struggle again against Oklahoma State. Pick three here and a couple interesting games in the Pac-12. Colorado trying to bounce back against a ranked Arizona State team. UCLA playing at Washington State off a big win on the road at Houston. And then Oregon, number 16, going up against Stanford at Cardinal at risk at going to one and three on the season. Who wins all three of those games? In those three games, I'm going. I'm riding the Arizona State train. I'm going Arizona State, Washington State, and I'm going Oregon. Those are my three teams. You know, I think Justin Herbert is a very overrated quarterback. And yes, I said overrated. I think he's a good. He might be a good NFL prospect, but I think in the college game, he is very, very overrated. But those are the three I'm taking. And finally, the piece de resistance. Number seven, Notre Dame travels to Athens to complete part of a home and home. Number three, Georgia. Funny enough, two years ago when SEC Nation came to Columbia, Georgia and Notre Dame were playing that first part of that series. That was a fantastic game in case you missed it. I actually watched the highlights of that earlier today. Georgia ended up winning that one in a classic 20 to 19. They went on to lose the national championship that season. Notre Dame made the college football playoff last year. So much pageantry between these two programs. So much implications on this game. What do you see in this one? What do you think is the key for Georgia to take care and win the game at home? I think for Georgia, you have to make Ian Book uncomfortable. You, th- you think about you know that college football semifinal game. Yes, I know Clemson has a great defensive front, but they just made Ian Book look like he did not really want to be on the football field. And I think that's really the key for Georgia against Notre Dame. I think that's what you have to do against Notre Dame. I personally think, once again, that Notre Dame is overhyped. I don't think they're that good. I really don't. I think Ian Book is an average quarterback at best. Um, I see Georgia winning this by a couple touchdowns. I think Georgia's one of the best teams in the country. I, I think they'll be in the college football playoff just about no matter what. Should be interesting to watch at Athens. That game, host college game day. It's got the primetime kickoff tomorrow. Jake Fromm has been fantastic this season. I think he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league. I do. I am going to agree with you and take Georgia in that game in a slim contest versus Notre Dame. Nobody's really noting how much Notre Dame lost in that defense in its college football playoff team last year. So I think that Notre Dame wins it in a slim margin. All right, Chase, I'm going to turn this over to you. We want to make sure we're going to get it off your chest for today, but 
We'll be right back with that after Ben comes back to the show in a couple weeks. We won't have a show next weekend, so keep an eye on that. We'll keep you updated on our Twitter with our show trends, obviously. But, Chase, important game for your St. Louis Cardinals right now, trying to finish the deal. They're up against the Chicago Cubs right now, leading 2-1 to one with one out in the top of the ninth. Talk about what this series means to the fan base, to the team as a whole, and the postseason picture. Well, you think about it, if you're a St. Louis Cardinals fan, whenever you got to the All-Star break this year, there was a lot of questions. You know, people were like, we're going to have to add because this team is just not very good. And then the second half of the season, they've really turned it on. Paul Goldschmidt started doing what he was supposed to do. I think the biggest emergence, and people, a lot of people will agree with me, is Colton Wong. Colton Wong was batting about 240 whenever the All-Star break hit. I think he's up to about 284 now. He's out right now with a hamstring injury. But probably the best defensive second baseman in baseball, and not to mention he's got a bat to go with it right now. The lineup is okay, but really what's saving him right now is the pitching. You talk about Jack Flaherty. You talk about Dakota Hudson. You talk about Adam Wainwright. You talk about Michaelis. You know, those four have been really, really good. And, you know, this series is is a big one. It's probably the biggest of the season for the Cardinals. They really need to split at least these four games with the Cubs. I mean, if they could win the series, it'd be great, but they really need to split. But before I start talking about any more, Garrett, I, I'm going to turn this over to you to go back to the American League. You know, the Yankees have already clinched. They're, they're going to be the AL East champion and the central between the twins and the Indians. I don't really think that anybody saw the twins being this good. And then of course in the West is the Astros. How do you see the rest of the season playing out in the American league? I think things are going to hold to form. I really do. I think that Oakland and Tampa Bay are going to be the two wild cards there. I think they have enough to keep Cleveland at bay. I think that Minnesota's clearly been the best team in the American league central. They're going to slug their way to a playoff appearance and, you know, it remains to be seen what happens in the divisional round, but I think that those teams are good enough to get there. The other thing that's really interesting is there are no other series besides Cubs-Cardinals this weekend with implications on the postseason race. The Brewers are right behind the Pirates, or excuse me, right behind the Cubs and the Cards, but they get the Pirates this weekend. So there's no really heavyweight versus heavyweight matchup this weekend except for Cubs-Cards. So keep an eye on that. Once again, those are two day game pitches on the weekend. That about wrap things up today. For Ben Krakow, who wasn't on the show today, for Chase Phillips, I've been Garrett Jones. You've been listening to the Preferred Walk-Ons. Sports Saturday tomorrow, all day long, wall-to-wall coverage of Missouri Tiger football and the college football world. Don't miss it, culminating with our pregame show presented by El Rancho at 2.30 p.m. and kickoff at 3 o'clock between Missouri and South Carolina. You can hear it all on KCU 88.1 FM, streaming on the TuneIn app and live online in the gray and green box. Have a great Friday afternoon. Thanks for ending your week with us. We will see you back in a couple of weeks on October 5th.